Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, November 23rd. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving weekend. Eat lots. Eat the good stuff, but eat lots. It's time for Kevin's commentary. I've got a lot today. It is all health-related since it is a Wednesday. So let's jump right in and get started with a shot, a quote, and a gratitude. The shot first, what am I drinking today? Pretty straightforward. So this concoction this morning is just a mix of all the peppers that came out of my garden. Let's see, there's red jalapeno, green jalapeno, sweet hots, habaneros, Hungarian wax peppers, scorpion tongue. This was just a a mix of a bunch of extra peppers I had hanging around. Threw them into some orange blossom honey, and that's the shot I'm doing this morning. The quote, it is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Jiddu Krishnamurti. We've talked about this. It is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Don't compare yourself to other people because as a society, as a country, we are ungodly unhealthy. It's insane how unhealthy we are, and it's happened over a long period of time. Now, it seems to be accelerating, but we've gotten used to it. Many times I've explained this by saying what you have or what you're experiencing may be common, but it's not normal. Two very different things. Just because it's common does not mean it's normal. And it is common to be very unhealthy today. Not just a little unhealthy, extremely unhealthy. So don't compare yourself to the general population. Strive to be as healthy as you can possibly be. All right, my gratitude for today. I'm grateful for Elon Musk buying Twitter and allowing free speech. So far, we'll see where this goes. There's been a lot going on on Twitter. It's actually been a lot of fun. I I can't believe how much time I'm spending on Twitter right now for a lot of reasons. One, I'm getting great material. I'm finding uh, really uh, powerful voices in all kinds of fields that I just don't think I would have found anyplace else. And it's... um, The vibe on Twitter right now is actually pretty exciting. Elon Musk is on there all day tweeting, and he is hilarious. We'll uh, we'll see where that goes. I one of the things um, Lauren and I will be talking about later on today on Destination Health will be um, the documentary "Died Suddenly." Here's an interesting thing. One of the earliest things that would get you deleted, censored, or banned was anything negative about the vaccine or questioning anything about the vaccine. And Twitter, I wasn't on Twitter. I've, I avoided Twitter since it's been around till now. Now I'm excited about being there. But 
just about everywhere, YouTube, Facebook, wherever, if you had negative comments about the vaccine, they just disappeared. And if you pushed it too much, you just might disappear. Twitter was about the worst for this. So it was really interesting that this documentary all about the vaccine and people dying suddenly premiered on Twitter. That was the first place it was shown. I watched it live on Twitter for the premiere. I highly encourage you to go watch this film. It's a documentary. Uh, I know you can watch it on Rumble right now. You can watch it on Twitter. I don't believe there's any place you can watch it without at least signing up and having an account. Um, Again, Lauren and I will be talking about that more later today. Uh, What? um, Oh, I'm going to try something a little different here. I am actually going to try to play a video. You're not going to be able to see it. You're just going to hear the audio. Um, But I want to see if I can play this and make this work. Uh, This shouldn't be difficult to play a video from my laptop, but I think I've mentioned our our hacked together system right now to be live on the air and live streaming and all those other things that most podcasts don't normally do has made my system a little complicated. So this is a short video if it works. Uh, if it doesn't, I've got it posted up on HealthyTribe.com. I don't know why this video struck me as hard as it did in a really good way. It's um, the video. I'll set it up for you. The video is about Bear Grylls. I don't know if you've watched him or not. He's one of those guys got a TV show where they drop him off in crazy remote locations around the world and he has to survive. Uh, He's an ex-British Special Forces, I believe. This is just a short video. And yet somehow he manages to sum up this whole idea of the way we should be eating. And I've never, I I don't watch his show. I haven't watched it in years. I I used to watch it many years ago and I didn't watch it a lot, but I know of him. I know of his show. I I had no idea this is how we thought about eating. So let me see if I can make this work. I love cooking like massive things of steak and liver and uh with honey and a whole bunch of eggs you can't be having that every night steak every night yeah really twice a day, yeah but i don't have a lot of vegetables a lot of what? fruit vegetables Veggies. i always think well listen i always think if you're a in nature you're a broccoli growing in the ground how do you defend yourself you haven't got claws you haven't got right you know you have all these things that don't want you to eat it defense chemicals <laughs> I think you may have just made your statement that's going to get you cancelled, Bear. Bear in mind, I was also vegan for a long time. Why? I wrote a book on how I thought it was great, but my health really tanked. Did it? And, um, and I certainly couldn't do 25 pull-ups. <laughs> Most orthodox nutritionists would advocate eating five vegetables a day. I listen to that and it goes in while I go, I question it. <laughs> One word. Hmm. Lentils. Terrible. Terrible for you. I used to have, I used to break wind all the time. I haven't broken wind in years now. Yeah. 
You say that like breaking wind's a bad thing. I don't think breaking wind is a great thing, no. I, don't th I think it's a sign your gut's not very happy. If you're, if you're farting all day, I don't, think, I don't think that's a happy place for your gut. I, I don't know why I love that video so much. Several things in just, uh, what was that, a minute and a half long. A little less than a minute and a half long. Um, one... Obviously, he talks about eating a lot of meat and eggs, very carnivore. He threw in honey. I thought that was really interesting with all the, uh, the work and the talk we're doing around honey right now. He threw in honey. Here's something else that um, I, I don't know if you caught this or not. It struck me really hard as I was watching this, that this is how screwed up our society has become. Bear Grylls is talking about the fact that he eats steak every night and he believes plants have chemical defenses, maybe vegetables. And he doesn't even go into any kind of real detail, but whoever he's talking to, and I don't even know who this guy is, but whoever he's talking to says, Bear, I believe you just made the statement that's going to get you canceled. Are you kidding me? Have we have gone that far in in this crazy you can't say that kind of world what the hell ever happened to free speech and what is wrong with what he said it's what he wants to eat he isn't even promoting or telling anybody else what they should eat it's just a simple conversation and yet this is where we are People are so sensitive to what you might say. Ooh, you might get canceled. We have got to push back against that mentality so hard. If you want to say it, say it. Shout it out loud. Stop being afraid of being canceled or ridiculed or whatever it is you're afraid of and start speaking up. Uh, what else was in there? I uh, just just that, again, in a minute and a half, I think he summed things up so simply. Um, pretty good stuff. All right. Uh, so that did work. Let's go back to my notes. What have I been working on? I have a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of articles that I've, I've been kind of bookmarking over the last week. So maybe I'll go through these somewhat fast. I'm not surprised by this article, but I am kind of saddened about it. I think people are, are pretty clear on my take on alcohol. Um, for the first 50 some years of my life, I was not really negative on alcohol at all. In fact, I said I grew up in a family where alcohol was involved in just about everything. Uh, just very, very common. Um, I've talked about my drinking experience started early because it was common and I was allowed. I was, you know, allowed to have a beer when I was 14 in the garage with my father and uh, went through some, you know, binge drinking in my teenage years and when I was in the military. And then when I got out of the military, I, I pretty much stopped the heavy drinking, the, the binge kind of drinking, but I became a very regular drinker. Uh, at first, it was craft beer, which was a really new thing back then. I even started brewing my own. Uh, that would have been in my early to mid-20s. I actually did that for a couple of years. I uh, got pretty good at it. 
and really enjoyed beer. And then for some reason, um, beer didn't make me feel all that great. Probably was all the grain and the gluten, and I didn't realize it. So I switched to wine. And I was a pretty regular wine drinker for the next uh, 30 years. Most nights during that time, I had a glass or two of wine. Very regular thing. And I justified it. Well, I didn't even justify it. I did it because I wanted to. But it made me feel better that there were all these reports that if you drank one or two glasses of wine for a male a day, that that might actually be healthy. That is total bullshit. It's just shocking how many things we have gotten wrong. That was nothing more than marketing, primarily by the um, wine associations. They really, if you go back and look at that time frame, it was a very common thing for Americans to start drinking a lot more wine. Wine was marketed very heavily in a positive sense, and we created a lot of casual wine drinkers uh, in the U.S. A lot of uh, horror stories of um, this tended to be more of a, a female thing, you know, start with one or two glasses of wine and, and end up with a real problem with alcohol. Um, I feel pretty fortunate that I never really had problems with alcohol. Well, during my binge drinking days, I had a few. Uh, but after that, it was just really casual wine drinking. Like I said, I even tried to believe that it was healthy. With all the testing I've done, it is, I, I, and I've said this many, many times, I'm not trying to convince anybody to be a non-drinker. I still do not consider myself a non-drinker. I will occasionally have a glass of wine or a cider, uh, usually not much more than that, and it's pretty rare. Maybe on average once a month now, if that. Um, there have been plenty of times I've gone six months without drinking at all. But I won't call myself a non-drinker. And I don't really want to preach to people about whether you should drink or not. All I want to do is make people aware of the health consequences of consuming any amount of alcohol. In my opinion, there is no amount of alcohol that adds anything to your health. In, in my opinion, any alcohol you drink will take away from your health. It, and knowing that, I still say I will not consider myself a non-drinker. Uh, it's just like occasionally I will eat foods that don't necessarily add to my health. I do watch how often I do any of those things. It's pretty rare. So just realize that alcohol is a toxin. Any amount of alcohol you drink will take away from your health. So just, just know that blood sugar numbers are horrendous. If you ever decide to wear a continuous glucose monitor, try, try. If you really want to see something crazy, um, try a night of, of, moderate to heavy drinking. One glass of wine for me will mess up my blood sugar for about 24 hours. Uh, two glasses and the numbers get worse. I've never really drank more than two glasses while I was wearing a monitor, but I have to believe it gets really, really ugly. So the reason I bring this up is the article that I was re reading. Um, one in five young adults 
dies from excess alcohol consumption. I read that and I thought, no, no, wait a minute. No way. I'm still not sure. Uh, I didn't go do a lot of um, follow-up on this. There's plenty of research behind this, but I have to admit, I really didn't go read it. Um, Whether these numbers are completely accurate or not really doesn't matter to me. If they can even find research to, to, to even make a number like this look close to being possible, we've got a big problem. One in five young adults. Let's dig into some of the numbers here. Recent research, and they link to their research, looking at deaths attributable to excessive alcohol consumption in the U.S. has found rates are trending upward. Between 2015 and 2019, one in five deaths, 20% in the 20 to 49-year age group was related to excessive alcohol intake. That is actually really shocking, in my opinion. Then, I, I, and I'm not sure how to even figure out their, their uh, percentages and statistics here. Um, and by the way, men die a lot more often than women, 15% for men, 9.4% for women. Um, but women tend to get in a lot of trouble with alcohol consumption, period. Sometimes easier than men, maybe not to the extreme where they go out and kill themselves somehow, but uh, there are plenty of women that also are suffering from um, alcohol abuse. Then it goes on to say, because remember, that statistic was between 2015 and 2019. We know what happened in 2020. Um, Alcohol intake skyrocketed during pandemic. Other data from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention suggests the rate of deaths directly attributed to alcohol rose by more than 25% in 2020, the first year of the pandemic, when many were self-isolating and working from home. The trend continued into 2021 by then up 34% from pre-pandemic levels. So if we take that one in five and that was up another 34%, that seems really, really excessive to me. But we are talking about around the world, the statistic of all-cause mortality going up extremely in the last couple of years. Now, there's a, a, the idea that it might be the vaccine, but there are also these other factors that we have to figure in from the pandemic, the lockdowns, the mandates, the, the masks, the isolation, the stress. Drug use went up, alcohol use went up, and more people died from those things. So that is really a... Uh, a very sad statistic as far as I'm concerned. Let's uh, let's move on to my next article that I was reading. Uh, this one makes me kind of crazy. On the surface, it seems like this may have been a good thing or it may be a good thing, but I, I don't believe so. I think I've been very clear about this topic. I, I hate to hear the word sleep apnea when it comes to truck drivers. 
It's not that I believe that they don't have sleep apnea. It's not that I believe that they can't be helped with a CPAP machine. They can. But there's two problems with that. One, the CPAP is not the answer. To steal a line from Dr. Wolfson, nobody is suffering from a deficiency of CPAP machines. What that tells us is it's not doing anything for the root cause. It's covering up symptoms. That's the first problem. The CPAP machine is not the answer. I don't care how much it helps you. It's not the answer to getting healthy. Heroin makes opioid addicts feel really, really good. That doesn't mean it's the answer. It's what's killing them. When we use drugs and surgeries and devices to cover up symptoms, we are destroying our health. We're not making it in the tiniest little bit better. We're destroying our health by using these cover-ups and crutches. That's problem number one I have with sleep apnea is the medical community treats it like everything else. We won't even bother looking for the root cause. We have a nice expensive machine you should buy instead. And then you will be in our system forever. Problem number two with sleep apnea and trucking, you do not want to get involved in this where you are being monitored for sleep apnea and they're monitoring your CPAP usage. You just stay as far away from this as you can. Now, here's, here's the headline. Companies launch end-to-end program for driver sleep apnea evaluation. Two companies have launched a program they said will make it easier and more affordable for commercial truck drivers to be tested and treated for obstructive sleep apnea. Don't fall for it. The last thing you want is it to be easier for you to be tested and treated. Arden, North Carolina-based CPAP Supplies will offer Resonia's screening software known as Drowsy for free to company drivers if their employer pays for it. Well, how ignorant is that statement? That's so misleading. We'll give it to the drivers for free. Oh, but your company has to pay for it. Then it's not free. Let's stop the word free. Nothing's free. Somebody pays for all of this crap. The software will be made available to owner operators for a nominal fee. Well, why don't you just tell us what it is? But they don't. Um, After answering lifestyle and medical history questions, a driver places the phone at the head of a bed or sleeper berth and sets the app to record sleep activity. Upon waking, the driver stops the recording process. Within 20 minutes, the driver receives an OSA assessment via email. So this app is talking to a server somewhere and all of these tests are being recorded on that server. That's how you get an email identifying you as moderate to high risk. Then the next step would be to purchase for a $199 fee software known as Drowsy Pro. The, the results from the initial screening are run through a different set of algorithms in Drowsy Pro to arrive at a more conclusive diagnosis. 
The results are then analyzed by a sleep medicine professional who, through a telemedicine visit, will make recommendations for treatment. The rec- Now, I make recommendations for treatment. Stop shoving crap in your pie hole and start eating real food. And yes, it's going to be some sort of what they want to call an extreme diet, keto or carnivore. It will work. Oh, no, that's not their recommendation, though. Nothing about actually getting healthier. Here's their recommendation. The recommendations might include the purchase of a CPAP machine and related supplies, as well as necessary follow-ups for Department of Transportation medical exams. Not no, but hell no. They've just made it easier to scam you out of more money and get you into the system. Don't fall for this. Unbelievable. All right. I should probably move along here. I am uh, I'm running out of time. I thought this was interesting. We finally, um, finally starting to see a little more information about this. For those of you who remember who remember Chris in Delaware, if I if I remember correctly, his first call to me was he lost it because I told somebody to stop taking the daily aspirin that their cardiologist recommended. I said it has not been recommended for quite some time, and your cardiologist should know that. And Chris called and lost his mind and asked where I got a medical degree, and um, I think I might have told him a Cracker Jack box. I'm not sure. So here's the article. Um, this has been... Pretty common knowledge if you just go look for this. I I can't believe there are doctors that still don't know this. Baby aspirin no longer recommended as primary prevention. Uh, I know this comes from the FDA, but uh, they actually got it right. And I, you know, we, we listen to the FDA and the CDC for some reason when we shouldn't. So we might as well listen to them now when they actually finally got it right. Importantly, studies have found that prophylactic aspirin use, that just means taking it by mouth, uh, in adults over the age of 70 is potentially harmful, primarily due to the increased risk of bleeding in this age group. Um, Low-dose aspirin, long-term low-dose aspirin therapy nearly doubles your risk for gastrointestinal bleeding. Um... Is aspirin regimen safe for heart disease patients? Nope, not for them either. Um, Basically, in this study, there is no evidence whatsoever that um, low-dose aspirin prevents cardiovascular disease or heart attacks for any group. No age group. Doesn't matter if you have diabetes. None of those things mattered. It doesn't work, and it's dangerous for a lot of other reasons. So don't let anybody, not even a cardiologist, talk you into taking a daily aspirin. Uh, Interesting article I was reading, um, what our hunter-gatherer ancestors can teach us about designing a workday that won't burn you out. Now, I'm not going to read much from this article. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase the idea uh, it, it is, I, I, I believe they're pretty spot on with this one. A lot of the information in the article I, I 
uh, may not necessarily agree with, but the general premise of this article, I think, is spot on. And, and this is what I've been working on on and off for a couple of years now, the um, living wild protocol that I've started. And I'm not finishing that protocol because I am still learning a lot. So I just keep adding to it and tweaking and testing things. But the idea behind the Living Wild Protocol is just to try to mimic the hunter-gatherer lifestyle as much as possible in a modern world. And I think we've been able to make a lot of real improvements in people's health by focusing on this. We'll never make it perfect. Um, even if you were to go live in the wild today, you would still be dealing with things that our hunter-gatherer ancestors didn't. Air pollution, um, environmental pollution, all kinds of things. Plus, you've had, you know, decades of, of living non-wild. But I think the the more effort we make to kind of designing our day around these concepts, I think it makes a lot of sense. They were talking specifically about work and they compared a work day for a hunter gatherer to a typical work day, primarily for office workers today. But think about truck drivers, how far away we are from a hunter gatherer kind of day as a truck driver. So uh, almost all occupations, unless you're some sort of a hunting guide or, you know, you a park ranger where you really spend a lot of time outdoors, um, we are missing out on a lot of things that we evolved with that kept us healthy. So my idea behind this is to try to get back as close as possible to that. The, the big message in here was that hunter-gatherers had a, a, a lot of variables in their workday. They would be walking quite a bit, just general walking. They might have some short durations of extreme activity, maybe chasing down an animal or um, throwing. They, we, they threw spears, they threw rocks, they you know, there there was physical activity to the hunting part that at times was extreme. Then there was the walking and the gathering. And um, I, I've read that, that many of these societies probably walked on average about eight miles a day. And then there was rest, more rest than we get. They actually took more time off from hunting and gathering, which was work for them or or building or you um, creating, you know, weaving, whatever those things might be, they took more time off than we do. They had more and longer rest periods than we do. But the, the big takeaway was that they did not sit down and try to do the same task for hours and hours at a time, like we do, driving for 11 hours a day. That's not healthy at all. We, we tend to do very repetitive things over and over and over for long periods of time. So just think about in your day, how could you break that up and, and have more variance and more variables in your day and not, and look, I get it. If you're driving, that's how we make money. 
I, I wish I had a better answer for this for drivers. I, and I work on it constantly. Every time I talk to another practitioner, I ask them about it. Does anybody have any ideas? I think if we talk about it enough, we'll, we'll at least come up with some solutions. But it's, it's definitely challenging. All right. I am running short on time. Um, I think I'll just, I didn't even make any notes on this article because I didn't know if I was going to be able to get to it. Um, the, the headline on this one, historic negative scholastic impacts of social distancing. Um, we really, really screwed up our kids with our horrendous response to COVID and not looking at the facts that children were in no danger from COVID whatsoever. The, the risk to children from COVID is so minor. And the fact that we are pushing them into vaccines and we made them wear masks and we had them out of school, we have really set a lot of these kids back years on development. The, the scores uh, from standardized testing have plummeted. These kids really, really missed a lot. Now, that's just being measured in scores on a standardized test. What have we done to these kids psychologically? I, I, I shudder to think. The children at that age are so impressionable. The things that happen to them, the experiences they have are so big in, in shaping the rest of their life. I think we tend to forget that as adults. Uh, certainly adults can be uh, pretty severely hampered by traumatic events or lockdowns and mandates and all the stress. No doubt. We talk about it all the time. We're always working on ways to try to alleviate some of those problems. But as kids, I, I think we forget. One, think about this. You know, at my age now, 60 almost, that the three years of COVID have gone pretty damn fast. But remember how long a year was when you were a kid? Remember how long summer vacation was? Three years of this in schools. And we're, we're talking about masking again. It, it, uh, I, I don't think we, we've thought enough about how much damage we've done to those kids and, and how we're going to try to fix that. So there's, a, like I said, there's a whole bunch of statistics in here. I don't think it really matters. I think we all realize uh, we screwed up bad. Uh, nobody's going to come out and apologize for this. Nobody's going to come out and take any kind of responsibility, but we have got to fight back on this. We, we cannot allow them to do this again. Uh, all right. So uh, along these same lines, um, coming up here, well, in about uh, 10 minutes, um, Lauren and I will be doing our live stream of Destination Health, and we will be talking about COVID and the vaccine and um, actually what you can do, some things to build your own immunity. We're, we're really, really going to focus on immunity again uh, because this stuff isn't going away. We're now talking about a triple-demic, um, flu, COVID, and RSV 
all in one season, already peaking very early. So we're, we're going to help people really do everything they can to improve their own immune system. So with that, I'm going to wrap this up and we will be back shortly with a live stream of Destination Health. See you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.